Hey, welcome to the club. Before we begin, I'd like to introduce our podcast and explain what we do. We will go over mysterious and unsolved cases, a bit of the paranormal, and of course, conspiracies. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and any other podcast provider. Also, a new episode of The Cloak comes out every Monday. So don't forget to join the conversation on Facebook forward slash The Cloaked Podcast and catch us on Twitter at The Cloaked underscore. And don't forget to like and rate us. And if you enjoyed this episode, please share with your friends. And now on with the show. All right, guys, welcome to another episode of The Cloaked. I am your host, White Owl. Today's a very special episode, per se. Uh, we'll be telling you guys a very interesting uh, case that I've been looking into for a while now. Now, I ran into this case a few days ago after reading a very good book um, by uh, Stephen Young. Now, this book is pretty interesting. It has a lot of mysterious cases, and I think that it's a really good read, Um, especially if you guys out there definitely enjoy a good read. Um, I think it would be something that you would all enjoy, especially those who enjoy um, a lot of the missing 411 or missing people, uh, very, very interesting stuff. Now, the book's called Creepy and Baffling Unexplained Disappearances. Stephen Young. Now the, the tagline on it, it's pretty pretty good. Twisted tales of the most baffling, unexplained disappearances and mysterious deaths. Um, so, with that being said, um, the case that I bring in today is that of the death of Ray Rivera. Now, this is a very interesting case, just because of the mysterious circumstance that uh, it it is a uh, it, it finds itself. So I'm going to give you guys, basically, I'm going to give you the rundown of the case, and then I'll break it down onto what Stevie Young kind of says and what, what I agree with based on what he says. Now, so what we have here is Ray Rivera, who was 32 at this time, um, aspiring filmmaker, and he was an editor of a financial letter, uh, which was his nine to five job. Now, Mr. Rivera here was, you know, unfortunately last seen on May 16, 2006. His body was then discovered about seven days later inside a meeting room, Belvedere Hotel in Baltimore. Now, now his body was found by the cleaning people. I guess the ballroom was going to be used. And so they had to go in there and clean. Now, when they go in there, they discover his body. They found, obviously, a hole on the roof where his body had gone in through and through the through the uh, roof, the ceiling, and onto the floor. And based on how he was found and his injuries, uh, detectives um, found out that he had to had jumped from the the the, the rooftop of the hotel. So the investigation starts and, and they look into um, how he jumped. Now, the rooftop where he jumped was 14 stories up and he crashed to the lower roof, as officials say. Now, in this case, as we look into his, uh, his uh, death, I'll point uh, details and important things that 
um, along the story that you find interesting. Now, this case is written really well uh, by Mr. Young, and so I'll give you this, the breakdown of it, basically. Now, again, like I said, 14 stories as he jumped off, and forensics, after they looked at how he landed, where he possibly of where he jumped, they estimated that he had to be going 10 to 11 miles per hour. Um, when he jumped and landed on the on the roof, this lower part of the rooftop. So now, another interesting part is that he landed facing up. You know, that's, that's one thing he points out. He landed facing up. Um, his phone was found and his flip-flops. His phone, interestingly, uh, was found intact. Now, you would think that his phone would have crashed and, and you know, pretty much would be completely damaged jumping from that high up. Um, so that's one of the things that he kind of points out as well um, along looking into um, this. So again, now I think about it, Rivera was about six feet, five inches tall, 250 pounds. Um, so they estimated that he had to, you know, roughly run about a good 43 feet off the rooftop going about 11 miles an hour. Um, to get to the point where he impacted the low rooftop. Um, so this is something that's very important to the case, and, the, and it gets pointed out a lot um, uh, through, through the story. So, in, you know, that being said, um, of course, the family, um, you know, it, it's, they're, they're told what, what, what happened, and his brother Angel believes that, um, you know, he, there was no way he would have been up there on the rooftop. Now, why would Angel not believe that his brother would be up there? You know, you, you sometimes you don't know what what's going on through people. You know, uh, they're going through a rough time. But he says no, that's not his brother. Um, especially since his brother had a fear of heights. Now, that's again, that's another important point uh, to th really think about. That his brother, you know, had this tremendous fear of heights. So he doesn't believe that um, his brother would have been up there. Now, another important part is on the day of his disappearance, his wife notes that he took off like if he was late to like a meeting. I mean, he took off in a speedy manner. You know, his wife, Allison, said, you know, he, he took off like he, he was running late, like to a job or something. So he now there's again, I'll be pointing out like several things throughout this. So one being the phone is found definitely intact. Now, when they looked through the security camps, that was one thing they try to look for to get the clues of why he was up there. And especially since the family didn't believe that he would have jumped off and committed suicide. Um, the other thing that we would point out that he did leave a note. The note doesn't indicate that he was ending his life. His note is very strange, and I will go over the note here in a bit. But the the as far as the, the cams, the cameras, security cameras, did not capture him going in and getting onto the rooftop. Uh, one of the things that that is said in the case is that the cameras were malfunctioning and because the cameras were malfunctioning somehow they were programmed again they were programmed to record over itself therefore erasing the the day before 
So they, it, it would have like a timer and it would just re-record it over itself. Now this is a little bit weird and strange. It's never really been heard of. Usually it's about, it's maybe like a week or maybe a month where it would, you know, you have your system would erase everything um, and record over itself. The recorded part over itself is not very uncommon, but it definitely does happen. Um, so that's, you know, not completely strange, but it is strange that it's from a day-to-day type of thing. So again, uh, another important part to point out. Now, he did leave a note on his laptop. And so this note begins with the Freemason stuff. And this is where it's a little strange, this note. Now, Freemason-related verbiage and contain a list of names, close friends, family of Rivera, where he talks about making his family five years younger, kind of an odd request. The note also mentions the death of the actor Christopher Reeve, director Stanley Kubrick, which is bizarre, which is very strange, right? Why talk about uh, such a, you know, a great actor as Christopher Reeve and amazing director as Stanley Kubrick. Now, Stanley Kubrick, as we know, we've talked about this in the past where on, on other episodes, you know, talking about the moon landing, um, talking about secret societies and stuff like that. So we've mentioned Kubrick before. So now um, you have to think about Freemason stuff, Christopher Reeve, um, you all, we all know him as uh, the actor who portrayed Superman. So this is a lot of things that um, you have to take in consideration of why he would named all these, um, you know, things like why, why name this stuff? Why bring it up in, in, in a note like this all together? And along with him requesting his family to be his family members to be five years younger, this very, very strange requests, right? So, you know, people kind of point out and even in the book, it gets pointed out as was he making a pact or something? Like what, what was the purpose of making that? statement in that note this note is very strange now i'll I'll continue on it will seem like very weird now to have such such a thing requested the note consistently speaks about the freemason now he did have uh several books about uh freemasons he had purchased some books uh, related and directly coming from the freemasons there was one book that was um, I believe it was Freemasons for Dummies. Now, kind of breaking it down into a simple format of explaining what the Freemasons are, right? So that's another strange part uh, to point out. Now, when Angel spoke with the employees, now because he did his own investigation, he wanted to know what what happened to his brother, right? As any any sibling would want to know, and uh, especially his wife, um, Allison. Um, would want to know what happened to to Ray, what happened to Mr. Rivera, why was he up there, um, if he had no signs, uh, other than the fact that he hated his job, he hated his 9-to-5 job, so, you know, now the employees of the hotel think that he was pushed, now why would they say that, you have to think about that, um, why would the employees themselves or state this, now they themselves make a very important statement a very important clue in my opinion now the police and the forensics believe that he jumped off using an uh, access to these stairs from a different area of the hotel employees on the other hand believe that 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 wouldn't be logical like why would he use 
the access to the stairs on that area, on that section, when it's more convenient and more logical to use the stairs or the staircase um, closest and easier access to get to the rooftop. Now, the employees believe he went to this route, this other section, to get to the point where he was. Now, why was he up there? That's the other thing. If he wasn't up there to kill himself, why was he up there? Was he meeting someone? It's a very one thing that he points out, um, Mr. Young, that points out. And a lot of people think to tend to think the same thing. It's like, why was he up there? Why was he up there on the rooftop? Was he meeting someone? And again, he, Angel points out that he had a fear of heights. This is very important. He had a fear of heights. So if he went to this area of the hotel, that would mean that there's no way, again, because there's no amount of floor for him to run and jump off the building. This would mean that he had a, f a force push him off the building and into the area in which he landed. But you think about that, that, that's more logical and that would make more sense. Now, again, this is the employees making this statement because, again, Mr. River had never, has never been to this building before. Now, if you've never been to a building before and you wanted to get to the rooftop, where are you going to go? You're going to go to the most easiest way to access the rooftop, right? I mean, you got to think about it. Like, if you're going to a building and you need to get to the top floor, you get to the elevators that are the closest because you know they're going to take you to the top, right? So what do you do here? He, he must have done the same thing. The same type of thinking is that he would do the easiest thing is choose the stairs that is more easy to access, right? I mean, that seems more logical and the employees tend to think so too now the employees work there and i would i would be more inclined to think that the employees would know best um, especially again if somebody has never been there that would be the more logical way of thinking and i i tend to agree now the other thing is that uh, as i continue to break down some of this uh of the events um now from where the cops think he jumped off, right? Uh, the other strange part is that his phone was still intact, fully. Now, jumping from 14 stories. Now, that's a very strange part. It's very important. Um, I, that's one of the things that I still have in mind, is how did that phone not shatter? Think about it. Didn't shatter. How is that possible? Um, his flip-flops and his phone, both were found on the adjacent part of the rooftop. Now, I haven't looked at the map to really, well, I haven't found a really good map to kind of point out how that was possible. Now, I guess him falling off, wind could have pushed easily, you know, these items off into the adjacent part of the rooftop. Now, another thing that was pointed out by his wife, Allison, was that he was missing a money clip um, this money clip was very important to him. He took it everywhere he went. It was, it was a, a family heirloom kind of thing. 
Now, the day he went missing, he had it with him. Now, this wasn't found on the rooftop. You could attribute that to maybe the detectives and the people up there didn't look hard enough for it. I mean, it's a money clip. Like, also, at the same time, did it have money clipped to it? His ID, anything else, cards, whatever. Um, anything that would have been clipped to it. I mean, it's proper use, obviously. Now, he used this everywhere he went. He took it everywhere he went. Allison claims that he had it whenever she saw him leave. Where is it? Where did it go? Again, we could easily say that no one looked hard enough to find it. It's possible. It's possible it's still up there. The wind could have blown it. It's a lighter thing. It could have gone further, maybe off, um, off the off the rooftop. Maybe somebody found it. Who knows? We have there, there's many possible reasons and logical explanations to that itself, right? Maybe he lost it somewhere in the hotel. You know, again, it's one of those things where many possibilities, right? Now. You know, they had this note, again, very mysterious. His death was ruled, just to make sure I have this correct, which it wasn't really ruled a suicide. Now, his official cause of death was declared undetermined. Now, based on the circumstance, you know, the number of odd facts around the case um, that has led the family to suspect foul play. So there's a lot of other things that come to play when it comes to this. Now, the thing with uh, Rivero here is that there's something that gets stated that kind of changed the direction of, you know, maybe he was going through something, um, you know, maybe he had some like mental illness, which is, you know, something that males don't really talk about. Men don't really talk to anybody really about their feelings, right? Maybe he was hiding something. This is the part where Steve Young kind of points out that there's things that that complicate the story, make it more real, more more with a sense of danger. And th- here's the part where I would break it down, is that with Mr. Rivera, before he disappeared, he becomes a little bit overprotective, right, of his wife. So what ends up happening is Ray, which I guess normally wouldn't accompany his wife to the running track, he goes to the running track. Now, while Allison is running around the track, doing her thing, she notices something. Uh, Rivera was sitting at the bleachers. It it appears that a man had approached Mr. Rivera and was speaking to him. Now, for how long? Who knows? Because when she noticed this was happening, and then this man left. And so who knows how long they have been speaking to each other. Now... The other thing that she points out is that Mr. Rivera seemed to be spooked by something. Maybe something that was said to him. Um, maybe he was threatened. Like, and here's the other thing, is that he, Mr. Rivera was writing a screenplay. I mean, he's an inspired writer and filmmaker. So one of the things is he had a lot of Freemason books. And so apparently in the book, uh, in, this, in the case story, um, one of the things that's stated is that he met with somebody that was in, in a Freemason lodge. Um, he went to go meet him. They spoke. This person was interviewed by the police. And looks like they had a normal conversation. Wasn't long. 
of very basic information. And it appeared that Mr. Verrera may have been interested in becoming a member, right? But it wasn't certain. Now, back to the meeting at the track uh, where he met this person. It looked like this person may have spooked Mr. Rivera. Now, based on what Miss Allison had said, right, his wife is that he looked really spooked. And then it was not like him, as she states. Uh, which, at this point, you could think that if he was threatened, right, let's say he was threatened, that it was possible that the following events may have even supported his paranoia of the possible threat to his to either him his family um to his wife uh and so it really doesn't help with the following events that occurred now after this encounter right after this encounter a strange occurrence it looks like the at the residence at their residence their alarm was triggered this is a few days after their alarm was triggered and Rivera got up and went to go investigate. Okay, why why is it being triggered? Why is the alarm at his house being triggered? Somebody trying to break in, um, other possibilities as stated by the police, uh, squirrels or vermin, um, you know, it could be a number of things that may have triggered the alarm. And so, you know, that was one day. The next day, again, the alarm goes off. And Mr. Rivera goes investigates again. He gets up and he's very spooked. Now, the first time he went to go investigate, Allison found him in the basement. And he looked, he had a face of fear, basically is what she says. He had a face that just said fear. And so who knows what he may have encountered or why he was he so fearful was it because somebody said something to him? Was it because somebody had threatened him and his family? And this cause was making it more real. Was somebody trying to break in to get to him? And the second time the alarm goes off the following day, it doesn't help his paranoia and his fear of what could possibly be happening. You know, you start to think, knowing of the end result, what could have happened to him? Was he being threatened by somebody in the, you know, Masonic Lodge, one of the Freemasons, something that may he may have uncovered? Uh, who? This is kind of the thing that, you know, sometimes people don't think that, no, that's not possible. That's not logical. You know, there's, it's crazy. There's no way this is happening. Many things have been said. And I will point out as a perfect example, you know, way back in the 90s, movies were being made that the government was listening to you, that the government was keeping taps on people, that there was things that they had, you know, devices, applications, systems that were being used and utilized and and configured and people were on the job to like find out a way to listen to every person and and not just that like there these devices were being used in other countries to spy on to figure out what they were doing and then you have you know years 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 later you have your WikiLeaks where you know these new applications were being found um that there was these 
systems that were being installed into your TVs, into your phones, and the software that you would be able to download and even upload and install it without anybody even knowing. And that was a way to listen to the American people. Now, that in itself, many could have said, well, that's strange. But what is stranger than fiction? So, with that being said, you know, think about this. A lot of people don't believe it. A lot of people don't think that it is possible. It is It is possible. It's a 50-50 chance, right? You know, it's crazy, but, you know, the family knows them. And then the employees to say what they say. And coincidentally, the security cams suffer a malfunction that they start somehow recording over itself, even though it says something that had to be programmed and it was found that it was programmed the day he went missing to record over itself. How? What are the odds of that? What are the possibilities uh, of that? That the day that he goes missing, the system is programmed to record over itself. Seriously, what are the odds of that? Think about it. I'll go on. While you think about that, really think about it, because it's something that that's baffling to me. Who was he meeting up there? Why? And and he was found facing up. That's the other thing. Think about that. If you go meet somebody at the rooftop, you're facing them because that's who you're speaking to. You face who you're speaking to. Now, if you fall onto the floor, let's say you're talking to somebody and somehow you ended up on the floor. Well, how did you end on the floor? There's a very good chance if you open the floor and your back is on the floor. That means either A, you tripped going backwards on something, or you tumbled, or you don't have a very good sense of gravity, you know, or someone fucking pushed you. Think about it. The logic. Someone must have pushed you to the ground. So, I digress. So... This paranoia definitely tends to escalate after this, after the second time this alarm goes off. And again, the fear that Allison describes seeing on her husband's face after this goes out. He flipped out the second time, you know, searching to see what had happened. Now, I spoke about the security camps malfunctioning and something that's something that Young goes over, you know, repeatedly. And again, you think about him, you know, doing research on the Freemasons. You know, was he really writing a screenplay? You know, we, we, we don't have that. But Allison states that he had completed the screenplay and he had done a lot of research for the, the writing of the screenplay and his book. Um, so, you know, it's very possible that this is something that he was either A, had been working or he had finished and he had stumbled on something. Again, who knows uh, what could have happened on that. Now, I will go over his nine to five, which is one of the other things that uh, that's very important to this case, in my opinion, because it could point out to other things. Now, Ray had been working on a publication run. Now, he did this newsletter for a financial company. Um, and I'll name it because this 
this company is public and it's in the initial investigation and it's in many of the um, articles that are out there. Now, you can read these articles, but I w will say what the information is here. Um, so he did this publication for Stansberry and Agora Inc. And that's a financial group that kind of gives its people um, information on financial stocks you know here you can buy this stock buy this stock buy this other stock um, here's the information that you need to know about purchasing this stock that type of thing so it's a newsletter that people get like an email blast per se right basically that's what it is it's an email blast and so you know um the report was called the rebound report now rivera's job was to produce content on this newsletter basically it was just advice information to these investors and about these companies that yeah they're on the low and you can buy low and hopefully they go up high you know here's the low ones buy low sell high kind of a thing so this is information that is being given it's not saying that oh it's going to go up but it's kind of giving a hint you know in a way even though that's I believe that's illegal. Um, again, I'm not a financial advisor, but um, it sounds kind of interesting in, in that retrospect, right? Now, what Ray believed is that this publication, you know, um, which he was friends with Mr. Uh, Stansberry, uh, who I guess gave him the job uh, to work this nine to five. Now, again, you think about Mr. Rivera was a creative person, right? He was an inspired filmmaker. He wanted to make movies. And so this was something that was killing his creativity, this 9-to-5 job. And nobody really wants to work those 9-to-5 jobs that they really don't like, that they really hate. Because it's not that's not ideal for somebody creative like Mr. Rivera. Now, Stansberry, he was guilty of SEC violations in the past. Stansberry was essentially found guilty for selling information to clients that was wholly untrue and made up so they were sending false information and so he was made to pay a fine of 1.5 million now this was about a year before mr rivera had joined now rivera uh, eventually wanted to step back uh from doing the publication like that wasn't that wasn't something he wanted to continue doing. He wanted to step away from that. So, you know, he was very unhappy and he didn't feel right um, because some of the stocks that he had been writing about weren't, they weren't rebounding. So the last thing he was working on was some kind of video project. And so some of the stuff that he noticed that he was mentioning as far as stocks, they weren't going up. Um, they, and, and people, again, started to lose a good amount of money especially if they bought or they've bought a lot now agora sent out a letter to all its employees that forbid them to speak to anyone about the case or and about mr rivera but they couldn't speak about it you know they couldn't speak anyone to it yeah and so it kind of leads to the idea, alludes to this idea that um, did Mr. Rivera, and here's the other thing, did Mr. Rivera find something that was 
to him considered unethical that the company was doing and maybe the company I mean again this is something that in many forums I have found that lead the idea but without saying so much about it um, was he taken out you know um, was it something that he had as far as information I, I cannot say you know it, it's something that's very interesting um, but here's the other thing is that there's a lot of things that um, that Mr. Rivera was looking into and so was there something either a with the Freemasons was this meeting something was something completely not related you know which is very possible you know was there something that he was doing that no one knew about um, some kind of um, I don't know you know some kind of job of some sort that he was doing that that was extra income or was there something that you know he encountered uh, was he being blackmailed uh, for something um, and, and here's the other thing he left such a strange note you know that the strange note about Christopher Reeve Kubrick making his family five years younger very odd note I mean and one of the things that Young kind of points out and, and doesn't really speak a whole lot about it is that the notes seem almost like a request of things um, of a lot of things even, even for him to make himself younger was he uh, he doesn't go into it but it sounds like he, he was making some kind of deal with someone like a deal with the devil maybe and you know it's just again it's very odd that the, he left such a note that has these verbiage and has this uh, these weird statements that that they just don't make any sense um, the other part again his phone being unbroken money clip not found was he mugged and then taken up there um, was he meeting somebody then he got mugged and then he got pushed you know was he was he being blackmailed and then the meeting took place in the roof and got mugged and pushed and th th there's just a lot to intake you know unfortunately this this uh, case uh, for a lot of people and for, for Mr. Rivera's family, it, it remains to be a mystery because no one really knows what happened up there. And unfortunately, there's no recordings. And this is not the, this is many a few cases, many cases actually that we've, we've talked about what happened in hotels. I mean, one being the Eliza Lamb, this very mysterious death that again happened on the rooftop. Um, but this is very interesting because the tapes got erased again programmed on the day he went missing to record over itself again what are the odds of that there's just a lot of things that point out that are very very uncertain very mysterious in a lot of ways and people may think that you know because of his age maybe he was uh you know uh he was having a bad time and he maybe he needed counseling and uh, he had some kind of a breakdown a lot of things are being said and i don't think i honestly don't think that is true i think that he at the end of the day i think he something happened he did something or he was involved with something and he may he may have been blackmailed or 
tricked into something and honestly i it's it's very difficult to say with not a whole lot of information especially since his wife saw him speaking to a man at the park and he had this look of fear in his eyes and then the days after that the occurrences that happened he was very overprotective and something was obviously scaring him whatever that man said it ends at him and this and Mr. Rivera, whoever this mysterious man was. And unfortunately, it's going to be one of those cases where it's always going to be left to what if and could it be and what happened. So with that being said, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Um, and if you like this episode, please let me know. I have several cases like this and I would definitely like to give you guys an earful of this information and we'll definitely have more episodes hope you guys like and share this episode and give us a rating whether it be on itunes or soundcloud or um, any other podcast provider and i'll see you on the next episode laters